Hello and welcome to Stand and Deliver, a JoJo podcast. This week, we discuss episode 32 of season 4 and episode 73 of Hunter x Hunter. We didn't do scat dance. Snatcher now. Yeah. I mean, How's that? look, mostly. I don't know what else Kojima is hiding in that weird game. There was a lot of stuff that I only saw because I, like, mashed the same option a million times and got something different. Yeah. That's how adventure games used to be. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I kind of hesitate to call that an adventure game, though. Like, what it's really it more... Be? It's more of like a visual novel. Well, I visual think. novels like, are just like a form of adventure game, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, they are, but just very like grossly simplified. So like Snatcher, there's really not a whole lot of, oh, I got this item and I need to kind of intuit when and where to use it. There's a little bit of that stuff, but a lot of it is just hit every option on the screen once and then you progress. Yeah, but you still have... That's why I say it would be an adventure game, because there's still more to it than an actual, like, just straight-up visual novel. The same way the Phoenix Wright games I would consider adventure games. Even though a lot of that is still clicking through dialogue, you do actually have to figure out, use this item here, whatever. Visual novels are basically just like, go to this area, see what happens, talk talk to this character... It's going to be really boring because it's a visual novel. Well, if there's one thing Snatcher is not, it is boring. Like, no. I have tried to play a few visual novels before. I had a friend who was extremely into visual novels to the point that she actually ended up making her own. She released it, put it out. Uh, so around that time, I wanted to kind of get an idea of why she liked them so much and tried them. They're not my thing. I find them intensely boring. Uh, but Snatcher is like ground zero for kojima's weirdness Mm -hmm. since that was like the second game he ever made and man man is that thing weird like even kind of compared to some of kojima's later games what did he make before snatcher just metal gear what just metal gear i don't know what that is a little it's a not very well known you might know uh, Metal Gear 2 Snake's Revenge. No, I've heard of Metal Gear Solid. Is it related to, related to that? Is it like Not a really. prequel? Eh. The, the that, Phantom Menace? For, for a time it was, but now, eh. No, oh, okay. So eh. it, it's not important then. No, not until Konami remakes it as mm. a pachinko. That I'd be interested in. I love Pachinko. Uh, yeah, Snatcher was his second game. Like, the original release of that on the MSX was in 88. And the thing about Snatcher that is very, like, 
So you know how Metal Gear Solid Five has that whole thing of like there's a missing third act to that game. No, I when don't. Snap... What's Metal Gear Solid Five? Metal Gear Solid V, because you're one of those jackasses who refuse to whatever. We're because not it's, doing this. It's not five. That's why. Look, look, shut up. First of all, <laughs> secondly, <laughs> validate true. me on this. There's no final act of that game, right? Uh. Some they say cut that. the cut the cut act where you go after Liquid Snake in that. Yes, but I actually also think it works fine without that. But yeah, yeah. so that's not what I'm that's not what I'm asking. Just that that technically it is not finished. Technically, it is not the full vision that Kojima had for that. Yes, game. although I kind of wonder Actually, how long that bit actually would have been because from what I've seen of it, it looks like it basically would have been like two missions. But yes, yeah, it seems they like it would have been very short. So, so again, that is also keep that in mind. Uh, so, when Snatcher first came out on the the MSX, it only had two acts to that game, and it just ends on a huge cliffhanger with a lot of the story completely unresolved. Okay. And it took until the game came out on the PC Engine, uh, which is if, if I'm understanding the history of this correctly, is what a lot of the Sega CD version is based off of. Uh, before they added the third act back in the game. The third act is extremely short. It just caps everything off. It's a lot of, and this might shock you, very long info dumps that Mm. just explain everything that is happening and talks a lot about shit that occurred during the Cold War. A lot of stuff about nanomachines, nuclear deterrence. Uh, About nuclear deterrence? Yes. Nanomachines, no. Oh, he hadn't gotten into the deep nano well yet. not yet, but like a lot of snatchers exist directly as a result of like the KBG going like, well, what if we just KBG. like made KGB? My bad. <laughs> <laughs> the snatchers exist because the Russian government basically wanted to snatch world leaders, replace them with robots, and then win the Cold War. Yeah, and so the the final info dump in that game is just, oh, Kojima read a history book. Congratulations, and now Kojima. he's going to resign. Yeah. Snatcher is his book report. Yep. In pretty conclusion, much. Snatcher is a world of contrasts. Snatcher is extremely interesting just for kind of what they managed to accomplish at that point in time on that hardware. Like for the Sega CD, that game is very impressive. For the for the version of that game as it exists on the MX, MSX, it is extremely impressive. Um, but it's also super interesting to sort of see that that is like the genesis of a Kojima game. Like Metal Gear was still fairly stripped down and rudimentary, and a lot of Kojima's uh, eccentricities hadn't like seeped into that in the way that it is in like a lot of his other games. And Snatcher is like ground zero for that. Right, because I would have thought Metal Gear 2 is the start of that, but then it turns out like this original form of Snatcher came out before that, so yeah. Yeah, I actually did not know that until like fairly recently. I like, didn't know I that. had thought that mid-90s was when Snatcher came out. Yeah, but... I thought it was just Metal Gear, Metal Gear 2, Snatcher, Police Knots, and then, then he was stuck in Metal Gear Land forever, except for <laughs> Boktai. Uh, didn't he do something else other than that nope. in that time? Nope. Zone of the Enders. Oh, right, yeah. 
Man, Zone yeah, of the Enders that, was good. That took me a minute. Zone of the Enders is on my list of games that I'm I'm going to get to. Um, well, you can beat the first uh, game in like two hours, so. Oh, I did not know. Well, first of all, no reason to expect that would be the case because it is a it's a Hideo Kojima game. Yeah. And those always have way more than two hours of just cutscenes in them. I mean, it has maybe 30 minutes of gameplay, I'm going to guess. <laughs> Great. I'm looking forward to it. Kojima doing a mech game sounds really interesting to me. I don't really know anything about Zone of the Enders. I never finished Zone of the Enders 2 because I remember it being kind of annoying to play. But it looked cool. Like, in what way is it annoying? Uh, there's a part where you have to... Uh, you have to escort this little other robot that can't really move and so you have to like pick it up and fly it around and then also if you get into combat like you you would have to like place it down and fight and then go pick it up and keep moving and also you can accidentally just I remember it being very easy to accidentally just throw it at an enemy instead of putting it down and then that of course destroys it and then you have to start the whole thing over I think that's when I stopped playing it that I mean, when you say like es- an hour into the game, I don't remember. When you say that there's an escort mission in that thing, like I just think of the Metal Gear Solid Four like trailing mission, and uh... it's worse than that. Because the trailing one, like it is not hard. Like you have to kind of try to fail at that thing. Oh, it's just so tedious, though. Yeah, it is, but still, you can get through it pretty easily, and then you're done. Anyway. Also, at least then you get uh, at that point the highest fidelity version of like original Solid Snake face because yeah. of the mask he puts also, on. Also, speaking of Snatcher, dressed exactly as Gillian Seed. Yep. Which is great. Like I like the Snatcher references in that game, the whole Metal Gear Mark II thing, obviously. But um, Also, the bit in uh, Ground Zeroes, the extra mission. Yeah. Where you fight the Snatchers. It's pretty good. You also get uh, one of the cassette tapes you get, and that is uh, Pressure of Tension, which is a really, really good track from the Snatcher soundtrack. Snatcher soundtrack in general is really good. Yeah, it's got the power of the Sega CD. Yeah. CD quality audio. A lot of the music in that game is just chip tunes, but there's like a few in there where it's just like some real 90s ass, dude, we could put music on the CD quality music. Where you got, like, electronic voices going, like, electronic, like, in the middle of the track. (laughs) Shit like that. Great. There's a lot of good sampling in it. (laughs) Yeah. I'll link to that one when this is done. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, man, no, Snatcher, I'd actually probably put that in, like, my top ten games of all time. I I really, 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 really like Snatcher. Really? The original Metal Gear Solid 1, I would put a notch above it, uh, just strictly from the standpoint of I like the gameplay in that a lot more than Snatcher. Uh, But just the the presentation and the story in Snatcher I found extremely appealing, and and that thing like actually had me bursting out loud loud quite a few times. Okay. Uh, If If you can find Snatcher out there, by that I mean... 
go to some websites and find an ISO, then you should play it. Because they've never re-released that thing ever. The only US version of that game's on the Sega CD, and it's fucking expensive. Unless you buy, like, a reproduction. And there's no way Konami is ever going to re-release that thing. Nope. Uh, isn't part of it, like, that they lost the source code to it or something? And that's why they won't... Uh, that's, um... I'm thinking of uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga. Yeah. That, that the one, main like, thing with Snatcher is it, it, it sold terribly in the United States. And so I think Konami just does not see that as being worth their time or money at all. Right. Of course, at the time, nobody really knew who Kojima was. And now they could ride the Kojima hype train, especially for Death Stranding, which looks, um, I'm going to say bad, but I still can't wait to play it. Oh. Uh, they could at least ride that train and be like, hey, here's a long-lost Kojima game available now for the first time since 1995 or whatever. But they won't yeah. do it. Nope. I And, yeah, with Death Stranding, like, every time I see gameplay of that thing, just, oh no. It's so good in the trailer where he's just doing this weird run around in a field and the guys in hazmat suits are bonking him on the head with sticks and it just makes purple yeah. materials fly out. It's like, hey, here's, Every time here's I... your video game. This is a video game. Every time I see that, I think like, oh, fuck, I don't want to play this. But then like Matt Mickelson and Gilmo del Toro show up and I'm like, I definitely want to watch it, though. Yeah. Like, fuck do I want to watch it? So somebody that was like, we missed it the whole time. Leia Seydoux's character's name was right there because she's literally wearing a jacket that says fragile on it. And like, of course you missed that because why would her name be fragile? And then it's like, oh right, it's a Kojima game. Yeah, isn't one of the characters named Die Hard Man? Yes, Die Hard Man. Which is like up there with Hot Cold Man. Yep. For best names Kojima has ever come up with off the top of his dome. And as mentioned, I am 100% sure Die Hard Man is just, um, what was his name, like Hartman or something? Nicholas Winding Rain's character? Because they could not get Nicholas Winding Rain to mocap for an entire game. So he probably has something that like messes his face up and he puts on a skull mask. Also, turns out Troy Baker, like you get a whole bunch of actual Troy Baker face... Once he takes the gold skull mask off. Because they can't have two people with skull masks on all the time, I guess. Death Stranding's... It's interesting. Yeah. Out this there's year, not supposedly. a single Kojima game that is not interesting. Like, even the ones that are not particularly good are still at least interesting. Ah, uh, I mean Metal Gear 1, I think, is kind of just boring in general. Like, the things it did is interesting, I guess. But the game itself... Not so much. I really like the gameplay in the first one. Like I lot. do not. For for a PlayStation One stealth game, it is extremely good. I said Metal Gear One. Oh, Metal Gear One. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> I have the same brain disease where I just think Metal Gear One means Metal Gear Solid One. No. Uh, Metal, but Metal no, Gear I 1. I would agree with that. That Metal Gear One is not good. At all. Yeah, because uh, 2 is like where he really got into it, and you can look at that and see the genesis of everything that's coming yeah. after that. But 
you you could also like two is such a retread of the first one anyway that you can kind of just like not even play one or completely disregard it and it works fine starting at two yep there are some relationships in that like the stuff with gray fox and everything that kind of is established in one but it is also not very hard to just fill yourself in on that because one was not very heavy on the story nope yeah for the time Actually, yeah. yeah, for the time, it probably had more story than most games, but... Yes, but still, like, incredibly thin and easy to digest if you just read, like, a synopsis, like you're done in a paragraph and you have everything you need to... Mm-hmm. By the way, this uh, this weekend E3 starts. Uh, remember when E3 was a thing? I legitimately forgot that it was this week, because why, who even cares anymore? Me. Sony is not. Sony's not there, Nintendo's not there, EA's not there, but were they ever truly there? Well, they brought that lady out with the violin. Huh? Schrodinger? Schrodinger? Schrodinger. Please help. Are your arms numb? Do you smell toast? Something going on. So the right side of my lip just won't like go up. Anyway, yeah, so, EA is doing their thing this weekend. Whatever that is, they're gonna have that Jedi game. I'm just gonna show some more like pre-alpha renders of some cars going. Like, yeah, we're thinking about doing something. This might be a game someday. Yeah, it still I don't isn't. know. We it put some people on a Mass Effect, maybe. There's a new Here's Dragon a Star Age. Destroyer. We apparently still have that license. Y'all remember Anthem? <laughs> they are not going to try to remind people of Anthem. Come on. You can go buy Anthem now for $5. That's how much of a no, success it was. I'll do you one better. They're just going to announce that like for the rest of the month, Anthem's free. Free to keep forever. Yeah. Please buy it. Do the destiny thing over again, man. I mean that that wasn't that wasn't them. Destiny is uh, Destiny's Activision. Who's Activision? Okay, now but still, um, like I could see them doing the Destiny thing with Anthem at some point. Yeah, I still think it's really funny how Bungie like managed to bail out of Activision because yeah. of all of that stuff. Just like no, no, please stop, go away. We'll do Destiny on our own. Please, let us. Yeah. Uh, anyway, my point was... Uh, let's come in. Uh, E3's this weekend, and would you like to do the watches, the videos, yeah. like we did before? Okay. Are good. we going to just uh, upload this as like a podcast or something? Us watching E3? Uh, it'll be on YouTube. Sync, sync your sync your videos. We're all gonna have our watches out, and at the start of the podcast, we'll do a we'll do a synchronization. Uh, just be on YouTube. It's easier that way because then the video will be with it. I got all these algorithms, though. You don't need algorithms. Well, that's probably good because my math does not check out. Look, it doesn't matter. Fear and loathing at the Electronic Three 2019 is a go. Mm. Well, it's a good thing we mostly spent uh, the first hour of this podcast talking about video games, and well, we're just going to do that this weekend. Well, 
There's not gonna be Video anything about are back. There's not gonna be anything about Snatcher at E3. They decided to make more Oh man, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Konami's not even gonna be there. Remember Snatcher. Konami's super good press conferences? Where they had like the guy from Ninety Nine Nights who was there to say one million troops. Konami was great. Oh, dude! If anyone announced another Snatcher, I wanted to be him. Yeah. No one who could like perfectly capture my hype than uh, the million troops guy. Well, him or Suda Fifty One. Suda oh, sure. could do a good Snatcher. Although, uh, after that last No More Heroes game, I don't know. Yeah. Well, apparently that sold well enough for them to say that the franchise is saved. So Really? What's I'm up? sorry, everyone who bought that game, but also thanks, because I didn't have to buy it, and now we might get more No More Heroes. Thank you for your service. Uh, I did see yeah. it's getting ported to other platforms, so now other people can experience the misery of that game. Well, that's so that's how I found out about it as I sarcastically brought it up of like, oh, good, they're porting this. Now no more heroes will be saved. And someone had brought up like, actually, it sold very well. Huh. weird. And, but still doesn't change my argument of maybe you should have taken the time to port like the other better no more heroes games. Yeah. Yeah. Put one and two on PC or anything yeah. else. Yeah, they're, they're not going to do that. Oh no, they might. Um, There's a good chance we actually just never get a three. <laughs> yeah, we're super. Like, come on. Uh, did we watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure this week? Is that uh, a thing that we did? At one point. Long I time don't ago. remember doing that. <laughs> yeah, before we uh, both went and did other things besides recording this podcast. I remember. Uh, because I watched it and thought, haha, remember when you thought that Seko had like realized Chocolata was dead? And oh, that boy. was a great moment. And I was like, hmm, I feel like yeah. you're maybe giving this too much credit. Uh, Turns out I did. <laughs> yeah, because he finds out that Chocolata is dead in this episode. Hmm. So, thank you for listening to all of that if you're still here. JoJo's. Look, as long as we keep producing Kojima-related content, Authoritimi is going to keep listening, and that's oh, the important good. thing. One. Hey, look at it this way. We got like eight more episodes of this show, and then we transition to a full-time video game podcast where this makes more sense. Finally. Ah, the shackles will be let loose. It's a good thing you've uh, put me up to talking about a lot of the games that we'll talk about on that podcast, so we'll just, you know, tread that water again. Oh, it's fine. You'll find plenty yeah. of more things to say. I'm sure I will. So, Chocolata, dead. Mista, somehow not dead still, despite, you know, literally every episode of this anime before now. Also, Jorno and Mista do not, they're nowhere to be seen during all of these events. Nope. Uh, I think it's implied, well, okay, so the, like the opening part of this has a bit more of their uh, their fight that I think was not shown in the previous episode. But yes, the the rest of this takes place after the Chocolata fight, and we don't see hide nor hair of Jorno or Mista. Yeah, if this was taking place concurrently with the rest of it, I would understand. But like, he gets a yeah. voicemail from Chocolata when he was dying, so... 
<laughs> which is a great voicemail of him just going like, uh, I got hit in the head. I took a bit of a blow to the head, I think is what he says. <laughs> yeah. I'm not feeling so good, so, uh, you know, finish the fight. Uh, but uh, then we, so, too. also, yeah. One of the worst also, endings remember, of all time. <laughs> absolutely. No, it's fine. They're going to they're they'll put on another act and then they'll finish the story. That's still the most mad I have ever been over a video game. <laughs> is when Halo Two ended. I'm not sure when the most mad I've ever been at a video game was. I, I, I think actually it might be Digital Devil Saga Two. Okay. Let me look before we get into JoJo. We'll we'll, we'll end this video game talk with the thing that pissed me off the most about video games. If you've not played Digital Devil Saga Parts 1 or 2 and you care about spoilers, f- fucking I'm sorry, I guess. Uh, so Part 2 rolls around and you carry over... Um, actually, can't remember if you carry over progress from the first game or not, but the, the game frequently is killing off your party members, and it doesn't really give you any kind of heads up that somebody's going to die, and it doesn't allot experience to your inactive party members so that they are able to keep pace with your active party. So you may start the game with three characters, two of which die early on, and then you have to like swap in characters you didn't really want to play as and grind out levels for them so they don't immediately get murdered in every single random. Mm-hmm. So you get out someone who's like level 25 and they die in the story. They're not coming back. And now you got to swap in a dude at level one. Fuck you for playing. Yeah, the thing that really made me mad about Halo 2 was not just the finish the fight, the end thing. That would have been bad enough. But the point was, before it came out, they had shown an entire level on Earth that is not in the game. And, like, that was the thing, like, that should have been, like, the last level. Like, you go back to Earth and then you have this battle. That's it. But no, it's just, like, the end. We cut that out. Thank you for play. I need to actually like look up what the deal with that was. I can't remember if it was that they kind of ran out of time or if it was intentionally to like set up a third game or something. I don't know, but it looked completely finished. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm sure that somebody has figured out what was up with that and has posted. Like had whole this whole part where you're on a highway and the warthog and shooting at ships yeah. or something. It's rad. Yeah. I I sort of remember what you're talking about. I kind of feel like that was in the game. That was like one of the early levels. Of... No, it was not. Mm. I, well, I'm probably going to look that up when this podcast is done because I'm curious about that actually. Okay. Uh, anyway, tell so, me about this this thing. Bizarre adventure. So, also speaking of things that I said last week that I was sort of singing the praises of, remember how it was like, oh, I really like Seko and Chocolata's relationship. They care about each other so much. Yeah. Turns out that was also bullshit. No, it wasn't. I think he's just, like, putting on a front here. I don't think so. I think that Seko's a dumb dog, and he only appreciates the strong. Because he does his, this whole thing how he's just like... Oh, I was with you because I thought that you would be strong and protect me, but it turns out you a bitch. No, so I, I think he's just trying to you. seem tough. Nah, I don't know. 
but he he does do this whole thing where he starts talking a lot of crap about Chocolata and then kind of starts getting into this fight with uh, Bucciarati after that. And this fight is super weird because a lot of it, it seems like this is an underwater fight because they're just sort of swimming around underground, but there's like bubbles and everything. Yeah. And it actually like made for kind of a pretty cool visual. Like, just a lot um, of the bits of them swimming, but you also see above the surface, and it's just, like, the city looked really neat. I found a lot of this very boring. I mean, I'm also not going to say that it was sequenced in a way that was very interesting, because I do not remember a tremendous amount of it. I remember the part I don't remember like how the, it all plays out. I remember the bit with the, like, icicles. Whatever. That's kind yeah. of it. The rest of this is basically just he tries to track him through the ground. Butcherati moves around through the ground. He starts to melt. Hmm? Yeah, there's life underground. Yeah. Um Yeah, there's there's the bit where he uses uh sticky fingers on like the it's like a road sign or something. Yeah. And he tries to use it to like clamp around uh Seko's head and then Seko does a weird thing to get out of it and kind of like ricochets it back at Bucciarati. Yeah, that's a like, really good it, bit. Yeah, there, a lot of stuff happens in this, just not a lot of moments that are especially like memorable outside of the one that you mentioned with like the icicles, uh, but that's like pretty much kind of at the climax of it. It's a really big moment in the first place. Uh-huh. It also lasts a long time. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, at at that point, how much of this episode do we really go over? Because a lot of it is just these sort of beat-by-beat things that were not particularly memorable. Yeah. Like, up until that point. I mean, it's Um, basically... Seko notices that the mold's gone. He gets the uh, voicemail from Chocolata. Realizes he's Mm -hmm. dead. Uh, Boutre does the, the sign thing. Um... Seko turns his uh, camcorder into mud, so I guess he can do that. Right. I thought he could only do that to the ground, but I guess I think it's any. Yeah, because there's a bit later on too where it's actually starting to melt, uh, Bucciarati. Yeah, but I thought that was because he was underground. I thought you said something about like the longer he spins underground, the more it starts to affect him. The the way that it... and granted it's been a few days, but the the way that I remember hearing that was the longer he spins underground and in close proximity to Seko because Seko is catching up to him. Okay. And so the Seko gets, the more it's having an effect on Bucciarati. But either way... But again, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and the rules don't matter. Yeah. Everything's made up. Rules don't matter. Uh, they do see a shining from the clo- the, uh, <laughs> the Coliseum uh, which I would like to say Seko has very good eyesight because he can see Polnareff from that distance and even see, like, oh, he went back into the shadows. He was in a wheelchair. He had prosthetics. Which, like, he's probably a good, like, mile and a half away. Oh, yeah. No, he's a fair distance away, but Seko's big, beautiful, precious eyes is able to, like, suss out everything about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we do also in this episode finally get the reveal that this is, in fact, Polnareff. Yeah. Well, uh, which, whoa. Yeah, big shock. 
huge reveal. I actually was kind of expecting that they wouldn't even do it that soon. I thought it would be like he finally wheels himself out of the shadows and introduces himself to Jorno and everybody, and that would be the moment. Uh, but instead here, it's just him going like, oh, you know, I found this arrow after the whole Egypt thing. Hi, my name is Polnareff. J.P. Polnareff, age, uh, whatever, 36, I think? Yeah. French. Super beat up. <laughs> yeah. Polnareff got real fucked up by Dio, but man, someone else in the interim fucked him up even more. Yeah, that's the thing. I was trying to remember, like, if this matched up with what Dio did to him, but no, like, there was oh. definitely more stuff that happened. Yes. Uh, Polnareff, if I remember right, some of his thigh got blasted out. He lost his toes. He lost, I think, like a couple of fingers on one hand. Yeah. And that was it. And all he did was he taped it up. And then he was like, whatever, let's rumble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but whoever fucked him up in the meantime fucked him up so bad, he's in a wheelchair now. Uh, apparently, uh, does both not his have legs any are gone. Legs. Yep. Yep. Uh, he's missing an eye from the looks of it. Mm hmm. It has like a weird looking like shroud, like a veil over it. Uh, I want to see his other hand, though, that was missing the fingers, because I want to see if, A, Iraqi even remembers that. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, I doubt. My money would be on him not remembering. And B, if for some reason he does remember like how he kind of covers that up, does he have like prosthetic fingers on? Are they just not there? I could probably find this out by just searching it on the internet, but I'm going to be patient and find out in like a couple of days. Probably. And so also this because is why... I will totally forget to do this anyway, so whatever. But also, this is why I'd mentioned that I thought you would have known about Wheelchair Polnareff because there's an action figure of him that you can buy in the same line that you're getting the others from. And I like the idea of somebody like, I'm getting this highly posable wheelchair figure. I actually do kind of want to buy wheelchair Polnareff now, but I imagine it's like a million dollars because all those action statue figures have jumped up in price a lot. Oh. Mm. Like, I, I want to say the Polnareff I have now is actually kind of hard to come by. Mm. I know that the Dio I have went up in price. Dio's um, always been expensive, though. Like, you manage to somehow get a reasonably I priced him, one. Yeah, it's been like 40 bucks on him. And then I actually got that money back i got him for free yeah because you thought Cause... it was never going to show up no um so he showed up with like one of his heart-shaped uh knee pads was like gone like he just wasn't even in the box oh okay and so i emailed the person and i was like yo what the fuck like you sent this to me and it was like visibly damaged like through the window of the box and so he's just like, you know, I'm sorry, I don't have another one of these to send out to you. I will refund it, and you can just keep the figure. Uh -huh. So, hey, free Dio. Free Dio. Yeah, bummer about the knee pad. Like, that's just not on there, but, like, whatever, free Dio. Holding up a sign that says, free Dio. That's right. It's free He Dio. didn't, that baby, someone else did that. He's Justice for Dio. Possible. Dio did nothing. Dio was attacked in his own home. He was just defending himself. Dio, a firm believer in stand your ground laws. That's right. Oh no. Oh no. Jotaro was wearing a hoodie and Dio was acting in self defense. 
Yotaro just wanted to go buy some Skittles, man. It's real fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus I mean, Christ. Jotaro pulled out a candy bar and Dio thought it was a gun. Oh no. But, uh, uh, Seko starts chewing yeah. up mud and spitting it. Turns into icicles. Yes. Icicles that uh, penetrate through the basically water and just start like crashing down into Bucciarati, uh who is also like his skin is starting to melt at this point his bones are being exposed like Bucciarati's pretty much just done at this point in general yeah like uh, when this first started happening I thought it was just his zombie rot taking over but no I guess it, it's the yeah. mudness yeah it's the mud but then later it also is his zombiness it turns out is is the music for this episode just going to be My Name is Mud? My Name is Mud? No, because I am not going to... No, I'm aware that you don't like Primus, but... Uh, I like some Primus. It seems appropriate for this episode. I don't know what else would go here, considering this is the third episode now, now that we've had of... I actually like the fourth of Chocolata and Seco. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so. that's probably what I'll do, but... Running thin on Green Day and Oasis songs, I would imagine, <laughs> yeah. by this point. Yep. Uh, last time I had to use the um, Neil Sisiga uh, Wonderwall remix. Sisigera, I think it's how Sisiga, I think. I legitimately can't pronounce it. It's not a bit. I've never heard anyone even say it, so I don't know. Sisiga, I think. That might be it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he, he shoots all these icicles down, and then basically, I, I'm trying to remember exactly how Bucciarati goads him into this, but he kind of lifts everything up out of the ground, and then flings everything back into it, including a car, and this was the moment Bucciarati was waiting for, because he has a zipper man, sticky fingers, oh my god. Um, <laughs> hey, I just punch. realized, uh... I can also have the end theme be uh, what what was the song by um, Puddle of Mud? Ooh, I forget the name. Was it? I don't remember. Either way, that will be the ending theme. Spoilers. Yeah, just Google the Puddle of Mud song, and I'm sure it'll be the first one to That's come right. up. I mean, I've made jokes about it before, but yeah. Uh. But yeah, so he he punches the gas tank, or no, he punches the wheel of the car and then uses the explosion of that to deafen uh, Seko because he realizes that the way that Seko is able to tell where he's at uh, underground is based on sound. Uh, And Bucciarati being a zombie, at this point, like, his eardrums have deteriorated so much that he can't hear anything, which also doesn't make sense because he carries on conversations. Kind of. So, you know... He... um, I mean, yeah. he says he can still hear, and then he tries to talk to him, but also the things he's responding to don't make sense. Mm, I guess I didn't really notice that. He does, because like, uh, even Bucciarati at one point is like, this conversation is nonsense. Mm. I thought that was more because Seko was just screaming bullshit about, like, no, I can still hear you, when he very obviously could not. No, because he's repeating the same things that Bucciarati's saying. Uh, uh, 
But yeah, Seko's eardrums have completely popped. They're just squirting blood all over the place. And gets his like leg completely flattened by a car. I like oh that. God, that's right. It's real Looney yeah, Tunes. It's, it's totally pan- pancake flat. Uh, then he like crawls up onto the surface and he's freaking out and he decides to take a hostage. And, you know, Rome being extremely small, uh, he happens to take Diavolo hostage. Well, we do get an explanation for that. Uh, which, yes, is that he was instructed... Well, Diavolo instructed... Um, Pop... Uh, no, what's his name? Dapio. I almost said Poplio. Poplio? <laughs> yeah. Pokemon. I like, I like Poplio. Yeah, sure. Uh, no, he... Oh, wait, no, Poplio's the, the dog, isn't it? The seal dog? It probably was the, the sea otter thing. Or the seal? No, I don't know. No, Poplio's the, sea, the seal dog with the big nose. Yes, yeah, like the clown one. Yeah, I don't like Poplio. I take back what I said. I think he's okay. Nah, he's done. But also, but yes, like compared to. Look, man. Did you see the new legendary for uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield is just Sith from Dark Souls? Yep. No, everyone on Twitter, everyone I follow, has to post a picture of Sif like they're the first one who thought of it. Okay, I just saw a picture of it and was like, that's really blatant. Yep, I mean it is, but also I'm so sick of seeing the comparison already. Well, it's just I'm been hitting me like machine gun fire. Yeah. Um, well, no, in fact, no one on Mastodon gives a fuck about Pokemon. Well, some do, but I just block them. Yeah, because I don't care. Oh, I don't want to listen to stuff about Pokemon. It's for children. Doesn't matter. Got canceled. Yeah, it's just like Homestuck. Nobody cares. Only babies like it. Pretty much. Thing that's literally designed for toddlers. Yep. <laughs> I mean, Twitch plays Pokemon proved that uh, you can beat so- those games very easily. Just the whole Homestuck thing. Just like that. That. That's the thing, right? That you make fun of one person for liking Homestuck and an angry mob shows up just ready to fucking nail you to the cross. I mean... Because apparently you're a bigot for not liking Homestuck. Yeah, I mean, if you're basing your entire identity around liking this webcomic, then you probably and you're have a some problems. Weirdo? Yeah. Yeah. Like... Not to, not to go off on another tangent here, but one of the things that I, like, really, really hate is people getting very defensive and personal about some dumb thing that they like. Like, that is a an issue I've had with friends in the past where I've just said, like, you know, I don't really like this thing that you enjoy, and they take it as a personal insult. I would never do that. Especially not if anybody said that about Star Wars. <laughs> Boy... But yeah, like, just how closely people regard some of these franchises that they enjoy, that if you say it is weird or it is bad, they act like you just called them a slur. Yeah. Yeah. People, like, it feels like now more than ever, like in the past few years. uh, Absolutely. Like, bronies, I think, were kind of the start of that, really. Yeah. Like people I, so fans are bad. Yeah, they're bad. Uh, they all are. Every one of them. 
No exceptions. Is exactly as bad. I did the math. I did the signs. They're exactly as bad as bronies. You know, I'm going to say bronies are not as bad as Homestuck fans, actually. I don't know if I agree with that immediately, but I think you could sit me down and you could plead your case, and I might be turned around on it. Well, I'm not going to because I do not care. No, I'm not, a- I'm not asking you to. I'm just saying that I could probably see my way around to it. Yeah, that, that that's been something I have had conversations with friends about in the past where I've had to just very blatantly be like, hey, look, you need to not take this as a personal insult when I say I don't like this thing. There's a lot of things that I don't like. I'm bound to not like something that you enjoy. Quit throwing a fit about it. Um, and Steven Universe fans might be the worst of all. Oh, god damn, yeah, they are. Oh, and uh, the Scott Pilgrim actually is the worst. Absolute worst. I had that person at work who completely unprompted one day IM'd me just asking if they could, like, talk to me for a while, and I was like, okay, yeah, sure, because I figure this person is off in their cubicle and they're bored out of their mind and they need someone to talk to. Uh, and me being in a supervisory position, I felt it was my responsibility to entertain them. Wow, doxing yourself. I didn't mention what I do exactly, but they just started talking to me endlessly about Steven Universe, and this persisted for about a month until I just stopped responding to their IMs. Because I didn't know how to get out of this thing. Just ghost on them. Yeah, that's what I did. Yep, it's the only thing you can do. Eyes would glaze over because it's time to hear about last night's fucking Steven Universe episode. Anyway, um, my whole point was that cancellation for something like that does not matter because it is only coming from people whose opinions I do not care about anyway. So also, you really weren't canceled in any in any way that actually has meaning. Like, oh, exactly. That's my they point. They tried to get you off of the like server or the instance that you were on, which did not go according to plan. No. Which is the best part, that they mass-reported you, and then the, like, administrators or, like, the moderators on Radical Town were just like, fuck off. Well, no, the best part is that they were claiming this was, like, targeted harassment, and then their whole thing was like, I'm gonna get all my friends together and we're gonna report them. Like, they have, look, it is not surprising that Homestuck fans have absolutely zero self-awareness, but that's still pretty amazing undertale fans also terrible yeah 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 Yeah. there's a lot of bad fans out there yeah sonic fans the old standby the classic the go-to you know the weirdest thing uh even though they've been a joke for a long time star trek fans pretty all right mostly Mm. jojo fans on the other hand yeah I, I agree. I remember a time when you could look at a music video from any band from the 80s and not see a whole lot of comments like, JoJo fans have the commandeered the comments section. It belongs to us now. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Shut something up. like a thousand people writing to be continued on uh, on Roundabout. Each one thinking that they were the first one to come up with that, apparently. I hate it. I hate it all. Um, yeah. I hate them. I like, hate I get the it. show. They they used the song in your anime. Great. I hate Iraqi. I hate all of it. 
it, that also like in the in the same vein drives me nuts how like people just that is their first exposure to these really famous well-known songs and so that is like the connotation that they have with it right it's like you know these kids have never heard of uh i was gonna say the grateful like dead but they've probably heard of that before yeah but like walk like an egyptian would be one of those ones where i think a lot of people who are of a younger crowd watching jojo's now that would maybe be their first exposure to that does not mean that you suddenly like uncovered a hidden gem of a song because it was played in your anime walk like an egyptian was a fucking big deal yeah it was that Savage Garden song got a lot of radio play in the 90s. I heard that song and it was sick. Uh, when it popped up again, it was just like, oh good, like two decades have elapsed and so I'm not tired of this song anymore. Yeah. It was like a point of time, though, where I would hear this and just be like, I'm skipping these credits all the time because I'm sick of hearing this song. Uh, I like it, um, but also... You're older than me, and I don't think I ever really heard that when it was on the radio. I had heard it occasionally, but uh, not to the point where I was that familiar with it. Like, the first time I heard yeah. it, it was when it got to the Chicka Cherry Cola part that was like, oh, this one. Uh, yeah, so, I yeah. I very vividly remember that song. I, I remember hearing it in the backseat of a Ford uh, minivan that my mom drove that always smelled like coolant leaking into the air conditioner. Mm. Uh, going to get Burger King or Little Caesars in that condition hearing Savage Garden. Like, it takes me back to a very specific moment in time. Uh, but, like, even Roundabout was, like, fairly well-known. I, I want to say that is yeah. definitely before my time, but... Yeah, Roundabout's yeah, in no, uh, I, Rock Band 2? Yeah. I have seen a lot of people in those comments act like they that discovering the song through JoJo's is a big deal and it is consistently blowing my mind because these were songs that were chosen because they were popular at that moment in time, yeah. like relevant to that part. Like the only one that I, def I don't think I really heard before was uh, Last Train Home. Right. Um, this Enigma song at the end of this, I don't think is really concurrent with the time period this is taking place in either. I think it's older than that, but... I've definitely heard this Enigma song before, but not very often. You sure you have, or have you heard the song that it's clearly ripping off? It, there, there's a chance that I might just have heard the song that it's ripping off. It's like a, it's a classical song. The that part that it is yeah. just doing. Yeah, I that and Last Train Home are definitely the ones that I've are less familiar to me but also like i wouldn't listen to those as a 31 year old man and go like oh man i found this song that no one's ever heard before yeah. i need to go to the youtube video and let everybody know that jojo made this song popular okay. fuck off if you do that there's been enough time complaining about people <laughs> people on the internet i hate everyone me too I'm so angry. Listen, all you screwballs. Hey, what's up, screwball? Uh, so yeah, he gets Dapio. Yavolo. It's Dapio at this point. It is It is the Dapio persona. Uh, holds him hostage. Um, Dapio is not amused with this whatsoever. Nope. 
a lot of shots of him just looking very annoyed about all this. Uh, and so what Butrani does is uh, he almost solves all of part five by basically doing the special beam cannon through Dapio into Seko. Which is also punches... really good, considering King Crimson punched him through the gut, too. Oh, yeah. A little uh, unintentional retribution there. It's like, you know, it's like a mirror. You know, it's like poetry, it rhymes. Dapio is the key to all of this. Uh, so this ends up uh, mortally wounding Seko, uh, but Dapio obviously is it back up. He's fine because Butrati thinks this is just some random kid. And then in my favorite part in this entire episode, Seko wanders into the street, finds the same garbage <laughs> truck that Chocolata got murked in. Yep. It was just like, oh, it's time for me to die, and falls into it. And then while he's in there, he's like, oh, Chocolata, hi. <laughs> it's a really long walk to this one really good bit in this episode. Yeah. Uh, but Bucciarati is now, like, he's crawling around on the ground, his time is pretty much up, and uh, Dapio, being Diavolo, uh, realizes who Bucciarati is, and he's kind of uh, looming in for the kill. And that is where we... Yeah, he's raising his hand up, getting ready to hand-stab him. Because that's what I you do. Really... I really like Seko. Seko is a damn lunatic. He is a, a weirdo. Uh, he is such like a pure distillation of a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure villain it's kind of a bummer that the actual sequencing of this fight is not very interesting yeah I feel like they kind of just stretched out and this could have been two episodes easily yeah that, sort of the sense I get is is the same sense we've gotten from some other episodes where it seems like the content they set out to adapt wasn't quite where it needed to be to make these episodes kind of, uh... Like, maybe they go on a little too long and then they didn't have enough content to spill over into the next episode to really get a full episode out of it, so they had to stretch somewhere. Because they didn't want to cut content out. That kind of dynamic going. Right. But anyway, that's the end of that. So now, roulette. Every time I look into your eyes, it's roulette, it's roulette, it's roulette. Every time I connect all your wires, disconnect, disconnect, disconnect. It's roulette, it's roulette, it's roulette. It's roulette. Hunter x Hunter. Episode 73. This at least didn't disappoint. No. Although Hunter x Hunter very different is always the good callback. Yes, so I pointed out to you before we sat down to do this that I thought that this is a lot easier to follow than the last Hunter x Hunter we watched. Still completely insane. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Like, in the other one, I at least understood, like, okay, there's this bad group, there's, like, what was it, like, a queen or something? The siege mm -hmm. on their kingdom, whatever. The this one is, like, they're tongue. in this world with magic cards. It's turned into a card battle anime at some point. Yeah, so, so this episode opened up with them with this uh, 
they have a bunch of cards out, and I thought that this might be like kind of an un. I was not thinking this would be like the theme of the entire arc or whatever until the actual theme song kicks in. Mm-hmm. And then there are cards all over that thing. Oh yeah. So this episode, um, this episode starts out with them basically having uh, Penny's book from Inspector Gadget open. Right. Because it's got like a little communicator thing and everything in there. It's like and a big it says, like, yeah, another player is using control to talk to them. Like they just cast mind thoughts to visual or yep. something. Yep. This whole thing kind of seems like made something. me think that we should pick a page out of Elemental Masters because that line is like the most Elemental Masters shit. I've ever seen uttered in an anime. No, we're done with Elemental Masters. No, forever. we're not. We're not doing it. But it reminded me a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, everything reminds you of it in its own way. Yeah, no, it's a just it's a brain tumor heavily on my head. It's hard not to think of the Legend of the Ten Elemental Masters at all times. Yeah, it sticks with you. Mm-hmm. Like a stink that won't go away. Like, the smell of death just clings to you. It's a horrible, putrid stench. Yeah. I mean, you can spray all the uh, breeze you want. It's not gonna go away. So there is this uh, plot that they've basically cooked up where another team has... Uh, actually, I think this comes after the credits. I do want to say that with the credits, seeing cards just flying all over the place, I got really excited because it was our wish to have, like, an incomprehensible anime card game in the roulette, and I was not expecting to get that through Hunter x Hunter. Me either. Uh, though, unfortunately, it, it's not really that kind of card battle. No. It's it's also funny to me in the way that it is not, yeah. but I was kind of hoping they would lean into that, like, trope of anime card battle games being impenetrable. Also, Gon and Kiliwa have a third member with them, girl of Biski, Biska, something like that, who I assume dies later because she never appeared in the other one. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so we, we get that intro, and then the uh, person they're talking to, they, they basically come up with this plot. Uh, there is a, another team of three who also seem involved in this weird card game that is going on, and a dude with, like, a monocular uh, has revealed that he has stolen a certain amount of their deck of cards and have replaced them with bootlegs. Utter forgeries. Wait, he, he took the the three guys' cards? That's, that's what it made it sound like to me, was he took their cards, and so what they're doing now no, is I th I thought he's he helping the okay, our main so characters out, so they're trying to draw them into a conflict where they use these cards only to find out that they're forgeries. Okay. And then they got the real versions of the cards and can turn the tables, is how that sounded to me. Okay, well, they were standing, like, outside that weird house thing, and so I thought they were waiting to attack whoever was in that house. And the yeah. guy who was sitting there watching them was saying that he had replaced the person in the house's cards with bootlegs to, like, as a decoy. I guess this also makes sense. I but, guess it really either or, huh? And <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I I guess what you're saying must be right because they do kind of just leave and go to Gone and Crew. 
Yeah. Well, Ganon, so Bisque or whatever her name is also has this like in her monologue when they do show up where she's just like, okay, that's good. Keep pretending like we don't have the upper hand. Yeah. Which that is what kind of made me think that they have the real versions of like a third of this other team's deck of cards. Yeah. Like, um, like this early stuff also, <laughs> I was kind of just glazed over because I was like, what is. They're, they're yeah. yelling a company and flying through the air. It's you were company. still just blown out of your mind that Hunter x Hunter is now a card game. Yeah, basically. Um, and then yeah, right no, they, this, they, they make some just... mention of just like, oh, it's past 310, and so like this other team is out of the game, so we're good to go confront Gong and kill you yeah. up? Yeah, see, that's what I was thinking. I thought they were counting down the time until it was like they could attack the people in the house, but then they just leave, so... Also, right after this, there's just a cut to some old guy in a room talking about his dead wife. Yeah, they put this picture down on the table, and they're just like, so who's this, huh? Your daughter? And he's like, no, it was my lover. And then everyone's just like, oh. Also, this guy does not look like he's from the same show. No, definitely not. This whole scene looks like it's taking place in a totally different anime. The, like, he, the, the he way that like the room a... is designed, the quality of the animation, like, all the characters look more realistic in this. Yeah, they look like they're from, There's no, like, like, Ghost in the clowns Shell showing up, or buff little girls or anything like that, so this seems completely discordant. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's just like, that was uh, my wife. And she fell into a coma, and I heard about this trading card game that has a card that could cure people of terminal illness. Sure. Why not? Why is the company making these cards not just printing a million of these fucking things out? Give them to everybody. We all live forever. Rub the Magic the Gathering card on your wounds and watch them heal. Like, this is capitalism at work. <laughs> the free market will sort it out, says the people at Wizards of the Coast. Sure. Their testimony before Congress. I mean, that's um, why the Black Lotus is so expensive. Like, you rub that yeah. on a wound, it heals it. Cures cancer. Everyone mm-hmm. wants that Charizard, because it prevents your <laughs> HIV from becoming full-blown AIDS. Yeah, thanks, foil Charizard. And you gotta have it's gotta be first edition though. Oh yeah, no, definitely. It has to be the Japanese first edition. Yes. Further. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so this dude wants this trading card to save his uh lover who is in a coma, and he's like, I will give up my whole wealth to get it. Uh but I guess it doesn't matter now because she died a few days ago. Yep. This never that's comes it. up again. Yeah, that's it for the whole episode. Anyway, back to fun time card battle. But I don't want to leave that entirely just yet, because in the little, like, post-credits bit, the little comedy bit at the end, uh-huh. they bring up, the, they're like, this card was introduced in this episode, and here's what it does. And then Gong is just like, oh, so-and-so uses that all the time. It's his Band-Aid. Yep. Like, he gets little boo-boos and he uses the card. So some fucker has this card <laughs> using it frivolously while this dude's wife in a coma dies. You know. He had to pull the life support on his wife because this other jackass is hoarding the card. 
That's the way she goes. Just had to Terry Shibo this whole thing. Fuck. Million dollar baby dur. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, we never come back to it. And uh, we, we find out that the enemy team, basically, they have this card uh, called a company. I'm not quite sure what it does, because there's another type of teleportation card. It seems like it, it will teleport you to the location of another person, and it will teleport you in a group. Yes, you can also do it with a location, um, because Bisky uses it to teleport herself and that other guy to that beach. Yeah. Uh, but it seems like it's group teleportation, whereas they later on use a different card that seems like it's individual teleportation. Yes, I think that's the only difference. At first, I was thinking that a company would only send you to a specific person, and you would need the other one to go to a place, but it turns out no. Yeah, my my initial thought of that was a company means you're accompanying somebody else who is using a teleportation so yeah. they could keep using it to track gong and kill Yuba and biski uh, but they couldn't just use that to go wherever um but that doesn't quite seem right because again biski later uses it to teleport her and that other guy to a place where nobody else is they're um, also single use all of these cards apparently which yeah. And uh, so that's the reason that they attack them is because they have, I believe it's like six uses of that card and they want more and they know that Gong and them have like four more of these cards. Sure. So they tried to like negotiate at first and it's weird because they're just like, if you give us these cards and we win this tournament or whatever, then we'll bring everyone back to the real world. So first of all, they're not even in reality no. at this point. Or in some sort of simulation. Yeah. Or alternate dimension or universe or something. Um, and then... Like, the negotiations just only barely not go well, and so they immediately drop and they're just like, then we'll kill you. The negotiations were short. <laughs> uh, and so... <laughs> just a little... A little treat. Hand and menace episode of Stand and Deliver. Little Easter egg. Yeah. Uh, so, them using the card and just going, now this is pod racing. <laughs> Negotiate using a chance cube. <laughs> so... They, they there's this like chase sequence that happens where they just keep teleporting between these same locations and I'm not sure what the long con of this is like there's a bit where one of them like uses a, a concealment spell on a card to make it seem like it's a different card but actually it seems like they're lifting the concealment and it's actually in a in a company card and so Bisk uses that to teleport that dude away to the beach uh, Kill Yua and his guy are somewhere else, and then Gong and the uh, leader of the other team are in a fight in the woods. And so Gong and the leader, they kind of like set up the card battle. They're just like, okay, I have like this many number of cards and this many number of the set slot cards. Restricted and, like, slot cards, whatever those are. Yeah. And the villain asks him, he's like, I assume you have numbers 1 and 72, and Gong is like, yeah, and I don't know what that means, because instead of having a card battle, 
they just start beating the piss out of each other with their fists. <laughs> well, uh, I think it means like you can see in the books like they have specific slots like they'll have empty spaces so it's not like they're just sticking whatever they have in there like they go in specific areas it's like one of those usa maps where you put the state quarters in them or something oh sure um but i still like that the the rules of this card game are just actually fight yes uh like you set up all your pokemon cards and then you just start beating each other up with your hands I mean you ever think about how many people in the pokemon universe like die from ekans bites just from oh. like wandering in the tall grass uh, yeah it must happen you gotta suck, you gotta suck the ekans venom out that's right hey here's a question for you speaking of pedantic sure. stuff in star wars uh you ever see the we're already here. what Said, well, we're already here. Okay, well, you've been cutting out a whole lot this whole time, so whatever. I'm not gonna fix it. I also don't care. Um, great. The uh, do you ever watch the deleted scenes in Revenge of the Sith? Uh, I must have at some point. There, there's one, but I don't remember the non-deleted scenes of that movie so good anymore. <laughs> Well, there's a part where uh, Qui-Gon Jinn is talking to Yoda, like from Beyond the Grave. And it was not Liam Neeson. They could not get Liam Neeson to do it. It's like a placeholder. Uh, but he's saying, like, I found a way to uh, escape death. I found a way to, uh, like, become one with the Force or whatever. Um, that sounded more really like Sean Connery. Really like impression of yours, by the way. <laughs> Well, I found a way to become one with the force, see? Well, no, I, I'm trying to sound like the guy who is trying to sound like Liam Neeson. Like, he sounds really weird. Um, But the thing is, Qui-Gon Jinn, like, they just burned him. Like, everyone else, when they became one with the force, they just disappear. Yeah. So how they is ran. Yoda, like, talking to him? What if he just disappeared in the process of being... Like, what if he wasn't dead and then they put him on the pyre and that is what killed him? He disappeared and <laughs> he, no one noticed. He was actually just, like, in a coma and nobody knew. <laughs> yeah. You, you he know, was just sleeping. That was a long time when ago. Tried to win. Long time yeah. ago in a galaxy I'll... far, far away. They didn't have the technology yet. It's like no. all those stories about people in medieval times they would bury alive because they didn't know. We can tell how many midi-chlorians are in a man, but I'm afraid the enigma of comas just continues to elude us. Did you know... Uh, I mean, this the, this the... is a universe where somebody just dies of being sad. <laughs> yeah. She just decided, I don't want to live anymore, and so she stopped. Did you know the phrase, saved by the bell, comes from um, when they would bury people, they would have a string with a bell going down to the coffin and so if the person actually was not dead and woke up they could ring it and they could be that dug up that can't be re you're fucking with me well let's go to Jonathan Frakes and see what he has to say about this oh no is he <laughs> in a coffin with a bell tied to his hand he is now anyway <laughs> I don't know I, you're I just, fiction made up we made that one up. That uh, was a lie. Anyway, I, I was just thinking about that bit with Qui-Gon and 
how he didn't disappear like everyone else did. Mm. But then again, it's not in the actual movie, so whatever. They also, still say, though, that they communed, though, is the thing. Like, that's still in the movie. They don't show it happening, but Yoda says that he has spoken with Qui-Gon Jinn and then tells Obi-Wan to do the same. So, yeah, I don't not having that. him disappear is still a continuity error. Uh, but much like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, kind of doesn't matter. The continuity of that thing's all over the place anyway. Yep. George Lucas forgot. Thanks, George. Big shock. He spent too long crying into his Starbucks about how he'll never be Titanic and he forgot the plot to his own movie. You know, I really think of all of these movies like silent films, you know, the dialogue is secondary. No kidding. I was really inspired by uh, Buster Keaton films when I was doing Attack of the Clones. <laughs> Oh, man, I hate George Lucas. <laughs> Me too. My favorite, though, is all the Red Tails interviews where he just starts talking about how it's such like a monumentous thing for the African-American community to make this. <laughs> this is the first movie black cast is like, dude, no, it's fucking not. It's really not. And he didn't even direct that. <laughs> Remember Strange Magic? No, I don't. It was a CGI movie from the mind of George Lucas. It was like oh, a you... jukebox musical. Well, remember, never forget, George's name is uh, attached to Howard the Duck, which really sure. should have been everyone's first sign. Yeah. Jeez. Ah, anyway, Hunter x Hunter. Uh, the the guy starts in... punching the boy. Yeah, no, um, a lot. Gong actually does not really get a lot of hits in during this and gets beaten up pretty bad during the course of this episode. Yeah. Uh, but he actually has the least interesting fight going on here because uh, it is just mostly him kind of getting pushed into the corner. He does this thing where he, like, understands that this guy's power is the bomber, but then he never actually uses it, so we don't know what that means. We see it in the preview for next episode. It's uh, basically just he can grab parts of you and make them explode. Okay. I did not watch the preview. I kind of bailed after the whole... You saw this card heals everything, and then I was just like, fuck you, Hunter x Hunter, I'm out. Exactly, but it's like right after that. Also, you should watch the preview because it does not... We'll get to it. Okay. Uh, but we then... Uh, before... Before we get to kill you as fight, we have a Biscuits, which is that she's kind of just like, oh, I'm really strong. You don't stand a chance. That's why I brought you to this island alone, so no one will get in my way. And uh, she's straight like... up. She just nothing personnel kids this guy. <laughs> uh, he like punches her across the sand and then she just kind of laughs and is just like, <laughs> all right, I guess I'll get serious then. And turns into brawly well first she like teleports around and just like beats him like gives him oh, at sure. least four or five good hits before turning into yeah. brawly yeah she can already it seems like really wail on this guy pretty good but just decides to uh probably actually maybe a bit too buff with this directly reminded me of appropriately is uh joseph's disguise in early part two sure 
uh, just gets like incredibly buff, punches this dude's nose in, mm-hmm. like so far into the skull that I'm pretty sure bone has penetrated his brain pan. Uh, depends on the angle, but okay. I'm pretty sure he's dead. I'm I'm pretty sure his sinuses have at least backed up with so much blood that he's going to choke on it and die. Now that's likely. Yeah, because uh, it's we see it. It is definitely like caved inwards. Yeah. And then uh, she just kind of picks him up and just like, huh, you're still alive. How about that? Yeah. Also says that she does not like this form. Looks too macho. Yeah. Um, and so that's just all of that. That is maybe the single craziest part of this entire episode is just she's she suddenly gets fucking ripped. I love it. Uh, and then we have a kill you a fight, which is actually a pretty entertaining fight. I thought mm-hmm. like there is a it's a very good anime kind of like oh we're having a fight, but I've thought this many more moves ahead than you, so therefore I win. And when the fight is done, let me explain it to you. Also, we get uh, clarification on the deal with Yo-Yo, which was mentioned in the last one. Uh, yeah, they didn't it turns really out he actually does have... It. Yeah. Uh, he has Yo-Yos, he has two of them. Um, although, for a while in this fight, he makes you think that he only has one, and he keeps leaving one side open whenever he gets attacked. Uh, that was a feint. He was doing it so he could uh, make the guy go in for a kick, and then he would fling his uh, second Yo-Yo around and get him in the back of the head. Uh, these yo-yos, by the way, have so much force behind them, they can just cave a tree in. Well, they weigh 50 kilograms, he says. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like a uh, so 100 this dude, pounds, I think. This dude also seems like he might just be dead. He, by the end, it sure kind of seems like it. Yeah, well, one of them to the back of the head could have very well killed him, but then just uh, for good measure, he whips two of them down very hard on the back of this guy's skull. Yep. So, rest in peace, that dude. I mean, he swings one of them at one point and just blows a chunk out of a tree. Yeah. Just uh, tie a bell to the end of this guy's hand, because <laughs> I'm going to be burying him in the next episode. But I like this bit where, while he's looking at Kilua, Kilua is just standing there whipping his yo-yos around, just waiting, just going pop, 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 like nunchucks. So here's the question: Are they in like some sort of cyber world where they're jacked in like the Matrix, or are they transported to another dimension physically? I'm gonna guess they were transported physically. That is my guess. But if this is also die in the game, you die in real life. That is where I was going with it. So, yeah, I think they just uh, did two murders on this episode. Good. They had it coming. Um, yeah. Uh, and then uh, we just kind of go back to Gone, and the whole thing is just, like, they're going to get serious now, but also not now in the next episode. Yes. That's Hunter x Hunter. Uh, continues to be a great anime that I should probably watch more of. I'll probably Completely ins- end up watching all of this at some point. I have no idea at what point this became a card game anime. I don't know at what point it stops being one. It's great that the rules of the card game are just actually they're fighting like normal. Yes, like basically it's just you collect these cards and occasionally use them. 
Yeah, you use them for utility outside of the battle, it seems, more often than you would use them inside of the battle. Because everyone also just has their own unique powers. Right, So, but there's also like hundreds of them apparently, so uh, I don't know. Uh, side note, I don't know why we were warned about Jenkinboy returning. Uh, when it was in the previous one. Up. Okay, yeah, we, we had brought up for some context on uh, Mastodon uh, that we pulled an executive decision of people only following this podcast who maybe don't follow you elsewhere might That's be wondering right. why we did not watch the anime we said we watched. I forgot to which... mention that. Yeah, uh, Skit Dance sucked. I made it about four minutes into it. Uh, I did not watch any of it. You told me pretty quickly that it was terrible and that we were just going with hunter x hunter as a uh, executive decision so so. F- so from when i looked at it i thought it was going to be like a wacky comedy about these guys at school club and you know they solve people's problems basically like madaka box if you know anything about that uh, but I, no it, it was just boring and like really dramatic and it's like yeah this this sucks so it- we pretty much almost had another Legend of the Galactic Heroes on our on almost. our Almost. Legend of the Galactic Heroes has more interesting things than this one did. Well, that's... That's something. Look, with Legend of the Galactic Heroes, at least you can look at it and be like, oh, look at these cool designs and all these weirdos and admiral coats, and it's an old show, so sure. it has that going for it. Yeah, the animation is still really good in that. Granted, most of those characters just stand and talk, so you get a lot of mileage out of completely still uh, body models. But right, yeah, looks uh, it looks good. Yep. Um, I I don't think I've ever seen Sket dance. Well, don't. Mm. Anyway, mm. find out what we've got next week. We've got five entries left. Five. Well, since we have how many more episodes of this podcast, it's 39 episodes this season, right? Uh, 38, I think. 38, so we have six more left? Yeah, I got four. I would say Wait, what? Hunter x Hunter on the list. What? You said we have five more anime roulettes on, on the roulette, right? Yes. Okay, is that counting leaving Hunter x Hunter on? No. So if we have six more episodes that we need to record, I would say leave Hunter x Hunter on, and then we have six. Well, the thing is, though, I'm replacing all of the uh, Tokusatsu series with a new one each time. Mm, That's right, I forgot that you were doing that. Never mind. No more Hunter x Hunter. You're not going to want me to re-roll this, because I got four, which is Resha Sentai Toker. Uh, that's the train one. Yes! <laughs> yes! On your request. I, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this a million times, but just a whole Power Ranger... I think that's actually a part of the Power Rangers series, isn't it? I don't know. Why are you asking I me? I can't remember if it's actually, like, part of the Power Rangers franchise, but, yeah, just... a Tokusatsu series based around trains. There are 47 episodes uh, start at That's, 23. That is uh, lots and lots of trains right there. 47. <laughs> Clickety-clack down the track. Here come lots and lots of Power Rangers. Uh, I'm going to start 23. 35. 
So Big again. one, small one. <laughs> Power Rangers that blow through snow. Okay, episode 35 of Russia Sentai Tokger, which is T O Q G E R. Maybe it's Tozer, because they pronounced to um, oh. uh, they pronounced uh, uh, what was the, what was Cubeoil? What was that one called? Uh, Zioger. Zioger is how they said it. So maybe it's Tozer. Hmm. I don't know. It doesn't matter. No, I don't know, man. The the one gift that I've seen of this thing was like the Pink Ranger shrinks down, shrinks down like a bunch of Buddyman thing, just falls to her knees and starts smashing them like ants. Yeah, that's what you sent me, and that's why I was like, all right, we'll add yeah. this. There, there was another one where it was just like somebody shot an energy beam out of their chest, and it was just a bunch of like CG animated train tracks that like wrapped around the Buddyman and held them in place. I should actually look and just like the very concept of a Power Rangers based around trains is just so stupid. It is. Just scraping the bottom of the barrel of what to theme something after. Well, Japan loves trains, though. Like that makes yeah, a certain no, sense. Sure, it's extremely bizarre to me at the same time, though, because in America, people obsessed with trains are up there with like the steven universe phantom okay this is gonna be good i think because this episode is called the terminal is stolen somebody stole the no. whole terminal the whole damn terminal <laughs> that's right not just the turnstile <laughs> not not even just the tracks the whole thing episode 33 is called decisive karate match <laughs> so there's one all right this is what we got <laughs> This is what we got, you say, as if though we're stuck with this. This was a choice that we made. We we put this on the list. I argued that this should be on the list for like two straight weeks. I was like, we need to find the train Tokusatsu. We need to figure out what that is. Look, I'm just looking at these other images. There's one episode called The Big Christmas Showdown, and the thumbnail is just, I'm assuming all of the main characters in like Santa outfits and snowman outfits, and it says, Merry Xmas. Next time, episode 35. Yeah, and uh, episode whatever of JoJo's. 33? Yeah, 33. Oh, so it better be a good one. Yeah. I don't want Ponref to be all depressed and everything. I still want Ponref to be a little bit jovial. But I worry that uh, he's seen some shit and that he's a broken man. He'll be fine. He's going to be himself. His good old self. Yeah. All right. Well. Oh, you know, that's something else that I wonder. If Ponoref is missing his legs, does that mean Silver Chariot is missing his legs? Maybe. Maybe that's what, you know, Silver Chariot, maybe he's in a chariot. Ooh. Actually, it'd be a really good idea. (laughs) Would be. I don't know. If just your stand gets crippled, it ends up getting a stand wheelchair? I mean, it it should. Like, whatever happened to it him should happen stand, to the stand. It paid its stand deductible? Got a stand wheelchair from its stand doctor? Okay, whatever. Oh, man. I guess we'll find out next week. Yep. Until then.
Yep. Get out of my house. Get out of what? Get out of my house. Get go. Get out of here. Okay. Leave. I mean, you can't leave me. I have me. a train to Sasu to watch, and I need, I need to be alone for that. My training, you will learn to merge with the Force at will. Your physical self will fade away, but you will still retain your consciousness. You will become more powerful than any Jedi could imagine. <laughs> 